pray with me lord we thank you again for our evening so far and i pray god as we look in your word that our hearts will be open god and that we will hear you and that we will take heed to what you say in this little verse tonight god and that we will let it change our hearts and our lives in your name we pray amen would you give josh a hand for a great job Good evening. I hope everyone's doing well. Mary's parents from Tennessee are here. We welcome them. Y'all be nice to them, please. Don't be yourself. Be nice. Thank you for laughing, Ruby. That was a poor attempt at humor that was not picked up by this highly educated group of people. If I was to ask you what you desperately needed tonight... It would be interesting if you could respond. Some of you might say, I desperately need more money. Maybe you desperately need your husband or wife to be sweeter. Maybe you feel like a desperate need would be to either lose some weight or grow four inches taller. Did you get that? Some of us are the ideal weight if we were just five inches taller, amen? So what, is your, what do you desperately need tonight? And, and what about our church? What does our church desperately need tonight? Some of you are saying, good preaching. Better music. Softer pews. I know what some of you are thinking for the air conditioning to be turned down on Sunday morning. This is the holy frozen church, isn't it? See, women coming out of the sanctuary every Sunday like this. We're going to be in John chapter 3, verse 30 tonight, primarily that one verse. John 3, 30, and as you're thinking about what you desperately need, I want to share this verse with you. It says, he must increase, but I must decrease. Now, this is a hint. That's your memory verse for July. You can memorize that in one minute if you give it some effort. But, but let's begin with this. The greatest barrier for most of us is us. You didn't want to hear that tonight, did you? But I believe it's true. It's not true for every person in this room. It's not true for for all of us. But I think it's true for a lot of us. The greatest problem, the greatest barrier you have in your life to being who you should be following God like you should follow God, being the husband, the wife, the parent, or the person that you should be, the greatest barrier for many of us is not out there, it's in here, it's us. And I believe this is certainly what we're going to see in this passage this evening. Do you know who the name Keith Richards is? Keith Richards is one of the Rolling Stones. Some of you old rockers will know who he is. He, uh, he wrote a song, Sympathy for the Devil. We've never sang that in church on Sunday morning. Probably won't, even in the contemporary service. But listen to what Keith Richards said in an interview one time. He said, God ticks me off. I don't have a problem with the devil. God ticks me off his rule and his reign. Does God not know who we, the Rolling Stones, are? Well, I say, Keith, he does know who you are. And God knows who you and I are too. Our problem is, as many of us are like Keith Richards, we think we ought to be magnified more than God should be magnified. Many of the greatest barrier, the problem in our lives is us. Years ago, 20 plus years ago, talking with a man who had 
major marital problems, and I knew he and his spouse both very well. And he said, my wife is my greatest joy and my greatest burden, my greatest problem. I, I knew her well, and I could say amen, at least to the problem part of that. But you know, looking in retrospect, the, the biggest barrier he had in his life was not her, it was him. It was how he was handling things and doing things. I think you you would agree with me, we all suffered and struggled with selfishness and pride. And and I want you to buy into this tonight. Probably the greatest barrier that's keeping you from being who you should be right now at this point in your life is not someone or something else. It's you and it's me. Martin Luther, the great reformer in the 1500s, Lutheran Church gets their name after Martin Luther, was being brought before the uh, Catholic tribunal, and he was protesting. He was a Catholic priest and monk against the Catholic Church, and he was facing the Pope and the Pope's leaders. That's pretty intimidating. And someone asked him before, are you afraid of facing the great Pope? And he said, no, I don't fear the Pope. I fear God, and unfortunately, I fear myself. I know who I am and how sinful and how selfish I can be. Do you agree with me? You don't have to shake your head. Just do some introspection. Is the great barrier, the greatest issue in your life this evening, you? Is it you? Certainly I could say the greatest barrier is probably me, the man I look at in the mirror. Here's a second thought for you this evening, and I believe this is true. The greatest barrier for most churches are their people. Now, when I say their people, I mean the preachers too. Some of you... Some of you thought, I can't believe it. The greatest barrier... For a lot of churches, it's not out there, it's not them, it's us. I started pastoring in 1986, I was two, and you do the math, <laughs> it's been a few years, and I, I hope I can pastor till the Lord takes me home or close thereof. But I would say this, and just being in churches and growing up in church and observing churches for years and years and years, the greatest barrier in most churches, keeping them from being who God wants them to be, is the people themselves, the ministers, the churches. It's, it's, again, it's not out there, it's in here. Greg Smith, are you still awake or are you good? He stays awake this part of the sermon. Greg's pastor in Richardson, Texas uh, years ago was a guy named Brian Harbor. Listen to what Brian Harbor said about churches. He said, churches have three fundamental problems, personnel problems, people problems, not just staff, but people problems, policy problems, how do you do something, and the third one, another people problems, pride problems, who gets the credit for what has happened. The greatest barrier, I believe, that's keeping so many churches back is the people in the church. I read reports this very week that were staggering about the number of churches in America that are actually growing, even by little bitty inch growth, it's it's phenomenally low. And the population is increasing. That's a problem. And we want to blame a lot of things for the problems, but the greatest barrier, I think, is us. So here's, let's start, go back to us again, individually, instead of the church. Personally, Christ needs to keep increasing, and you and I need to keep decreasing. Somebody say amen. 
Personally, what needs to happen tonight in your life and in my life is Jesus Christ needs to be shining more and you and I need to be shining less. In verse 30, he must increase and I must decrease. This was a third grader who said this at Bible school, wasn't it? No, this was John the Baptist. Who is John the Baptist? If you're taking notes, this is worth remembering. Jesus Christ said John the Baptist is the greatest person who's ever lived. Hey, that's pretty good company when you have Abraham and Moses and King David and Solomon. Jesus said the greatest person who ever lived, human, was John the Baptist, preacher, prophet, afraid of nothing. And late in his ministry, as Jesus is starting to shine more and his ministry is starting to decrease more, you know what he says? He says, I need to, to decrease and Jesus increase. Listen to what he says. He must increase. That word must means it's an urgent necessity. It's not a choice. This is not optional. If you're serious about God tonight, this is not optional. This is the key to what's the barrier in your Christian life and in my Christian life. Jesus must increase. He must grow. He must become larger. And I must decrease. Decrease means I must lessen. I must decrease in rank. I must decrease importance. Here's the guy who the Bible says was the Elijah to come, the great Elijah of the Old Testament. There was an Elijah coming in the New Testament to bring the forerunner of Jesus Christ, here's the great guy. Here's the guy again, Jesus said, the greatest person to ever live. And John the Baptist says, listen, my understanding and my goal in life and my greatest need is for Jesus to shine more and me to shine less. Wouldn't it be wonderful if a lot of Christians started living by that philosophy and how it would change our lives? My goodness, wow. Wow, wow, would it? Let me tell you about this choice. First of all, it's a conscious choice. You don't stumble upon this. You, you, you have to make a choice. I'm going to challenge you tonight to make this choice. He must increase. John the, John the Baptist here, God through John the Baptist, is saying that this is a choice you have to make. Some of us, we just want to come to church, something get poured into us and just happen. That's not going to happen. You have to make a choice to increase and Jesus to decrease, uh, you, Jesus to decrease, and you, what am I doing? Jesus needs to go up, you need to go down, amen? It's a conscious choice, and it's a consistent choice. Man, don't you wish you could get a Jesus vaccine once a year, and it was good for 12 months? Don't you wish? Or don't you wish, really, when you'd have gotten saved 78 years ago, that, boom, I mean, it's a constant growth. It doesn't happen that way. Luke 9.23 is such an important verse. Luke 9.23, this Jesus saying, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, forget himself, become less, and take up his cross daily and follow me. Leave that there for just a second, Jamie. I think that is a verse for a person becoming a Christian, but it's primarily a verse of discipleship. Jesus is telling you as a Christian, you don't need to be saved every day. But he's saying, your choice to follow me is a daily choice. You make a choice to deny yourself, forget yourself. You decrease, take up your cross. You're willing to die for Jesus and follow me. And this is a daily choice to do this. Wow. I make a choice daily that my plans, my agenda, 
what I'm trying to push in my life gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and Jesus and his agenda gets greater and greater and greater. Listen, I'm going to tell you, this is, he must increase, I must decrease, is what he's saying here. And it, it, it's, a, it's a slow process and a painful process. I wasn't in the military, but I had family members, a son, a daughter in the military, my dad was in the military. I think it's kind of like boot camp or even sports preseason practice where you start out one way, you even look one way, <laughs> and then as the days and the weeks go by, you are a different person. But th this is a process that's your whole life. Jesus says, I want you, I want to start shaping you where more and more of you starts falling away and more and more of me starts shining. What about as a church? What about as a church? I think it's the same thing. Listen, as a church, Christ needs to keep increasing, and we need to keep decreasing. As a church, church isn't about me. Church isn't about you. Man, absolutely. We, we want to love you, win you to Christ, meet your needs, be there for you. Absolutely. I want you to do that for me too. I'm your pastor. But the church is about ultimately about Jesus Christ. And what needs to happen in a hundred thousand churches across America, including ours, is there need to be a constant movement of Jesus getting greater and us disappearing. A lot of us are like the little boy who went to the Grand Canyon for the first time, and they were looking over at the deepest part of it, and the guide said, that's one mile down. And when they were leaving, the little boy spit. He got back that evening, and he wrote in his journal that his mama saw the next day. Not that I saw the most incredible Grand Canyon. He goes, I spit a mile today. <laughs> a lot of us are more consumed about us in our church than we are about Jesus and his glory and his splendor and his majesty. It's funny, and I haven't seen this here, but I've certainly seen it at other places, you could have a revival and see 10 people saved and life's changed. And on the next Monday, people are calling and complaining because they had to wait two minutes in line to get some ice cream at the fellowship. We're missing it somehow, aren't we, when that happens? What kind of what choice is this for a church? Well, I think it's, first of all, it's an individual choice. The only way we'll have a great church is if, if, if you have ministers, I think it starts with us, and a number of church members who are willing to do what verse 30 says, let him increase and we decrease. But it's also a corporate thing. In other words, it, it, it takes enough individuals coming together to do it to make it happen for a church. I love what William Blackaby, Henry Blackaby, excuse me, said. William's one of his sons. He said, in a church of any size, it's going to be hard to get a 100% consensus. I like 100% consensus. That's pretty tough. When you got more than 10 people, it's tough, correct? So the 11th person is going to be obnoxious and disagreeable. That's just the way the world works. But what Blackaby said, when you get enough people serious about following God and about Jesus increasing and them decreasing, 
You get a movement in a church with the majority of people wanting to follow God and great things can happen. And I believe that's absolutely right. I think that's absolutely what he's talking to us about here this evening. It doesn't happen instantaneously. It's a constant thing. But that's what he wants for this church or your church if you go somewhere else. It's tough to say, but it's absolutely right. Christians have got to die to themselves if their church is going to be what God wants it to be. We don't exist for your preference or my preference. We exist to bring glory to Jesus Christ and to reach people for Jesus Christ. And then once we reach them, to love them, to hug them, and to grow them up in Jesus Christ. That's hard work. And you know the only way that can, that can happen is if I'm shining less and you're shining less and Jesus is shining more. Let me tell you what happens. Let me tell you what will happen in your life and in my life and in our church when we keep decreasing and he keeps increasing. This is how you have victory. This is the road to victory. He says it in verse 30. If he increase and I decrease... There's a natural result for that. Listen, John the Baptist had moral courage and preached with more prophetic strength maybe than anybody. How did that happen? You know how it happened? God had more of him than John the Baptist had of himself. And when God has more of you than you have of you, God has more of our church than we have of our church, that's when we begin to turn the world upside down. When we let God do that, that's the key in your life. That's the individual key. Who shines more when you look in the mirror or when other people see you? Is it Jesus or is it you? Hudson Taylor was a great missionary to China. He got to Australia once for a Bible conference, and before he got up to speak, the the man introducing him gave this glowing, beautiful introduction about the wonderful Hudson Taylor, and Hudson Taylor humbly walked to the pulpit, and he said, I'm just a weak, sinful man who serves a wonderful, glorious God. He understood that the key to greatness for the Christian is going down, not pushing yourself up. Here's a verse worth memorizing. We don't have it for the screens, but it's James 4.10. You want to be lifted up? Jesus says, humble yourself before me, and then I will exalt you. We want to exalt ourselves and then want Jesus to shine a light on us. It doesn't work that way. We humble ourselves, and then he exalts us. That's what the Bible said. The key to victory in your life is not pushing you more and more. It's pushing Jesus more and more. That's the key in your life. It's the key for our church. I hope you you care about our church. I think you do. I don't think you would be here tonight if you didn't. Church is the body of Christ. And then the key for our church being what God wants it to be is for you and me to, to decrease and for him to increase. And when that happens, great things happen. When we keep our eye on the go, what's happening in so many churches, their eye's not on the go. Jesus isn't honored. It's all the wrong things and the wrong people and the wrong things. I don't know anything about foxhounds and fox hunting. We didn't do a lot of that in West Tennessee back in the uh, day Clayton and I grew up. But they say foxhounds have a special natural instinct, and then they're trained to do what? To chase and find fox, right? Hence a foxhound. Squirrel, hounds, chase. Okay. 
And this man in England had a big, big litter of foxhounds, and he trained them, and he kept foxes on the property where they could practice. One day, a group of his dogs got into a fight. He could not break them up. It was terrible. He said, man, this is going to be disastrous. So what he did is he ran over to where he kept the foxes, and he brought one of those foxes and let it out in front of the dogs. They immediately stopped fighting and started chasing the fox. Here's what he said. When foxhounds start focusing on their own food and their own stuff and their own things, they fight each other and they don't chase foxes. But when they will remember what God put them on this earth to do, chase foxes, and chase foxes, they don't fight each other. And when we keep our eye on Jesus and lifting him up, we won't fight amongst ourselves very much. We won't chase silly stuff. We're going to be too busy chasing the great commission and the great commandments. See, churches and Christians fight because they've lost sight of the goal. Because too many of them are wanting to shine instead of Jesus shining. It's the key to victory. God's blessing our church, and the reason God's blessing us, I think, is we're trying to do this. But we've got to constantly do this. It's a constant and continual thing. It's the key to victory for an individual and for a church. How do we do this? How does it happen? It really is simpler than, than it may sound. Years ago, during the Vietnam War, a pilot was shot down. He parachuted safely. He got his ball bearings. And then he began to try to navigate through the jungle, which he had no idea where he was going. Then he heard someone coming. Well, his first thought was, this is the enemy. This is someone coming to get me. And he realized it wasn't a recognizable soldier. It was just an individual. But he still thought, this person may be a traitor to me. But the man came up, and in very broken English, the, the pilot could tell he was saying, I want to help you. I want to help you. And the pilot said, I don't understand. Where are we going? And finally, the little, the little man said to the American pilot, he said, I'm the way. Follow me. He didn't give him a map. He didn't give him directions on his Apple phone because that was 40 years before Apple phones. <laughs> he got him by the shirt and said, follow me. I'm the way. You know what Jesus says to you and me this evening? I'm the way. Follow me. That's not only true for salvation. That's true for the Christian life. That's true for our church. And I tell you this evening, if you and I will put our hands in Jesus' hands, enough of us will as a church. We'll make him increase. We will decrease. And First Baptist will shine for the glory of God. And if you and I as individuals to decide to keep our hands in Jesus' hand, don't overcomplicate it. Just follow him. Just follow him. Just stay with him. You know what will happen in your life and in my life? We'll start decreasing, and he will start increasing. And that's when the wonderful things of life happen. I want to ask you this evening, number one, are you truly born again? Do you know Christ? And if you don't, tonight, I want to encourage you to give your life to Jesus. You can come when we give our invitation in a moment. You can meet me over here after this, at this door after church. But if you don't know Christ, I, I pray that you will to this evening. Maybe you'd like to join our church. We'd love for you to. I truly believe we want to lift Jesus up. And if that's what you're looking for, 
we'd love for you to come join us. Maybe you're here tonight as a Christian. Some of you are doing well with this. I want to encourage you to keep it up because you can get derailed. There's no question about it. Some of us aren't. The truth is Christ is not increasing in our lives. We're not going to help him increase in our church until we repent. Maybe where you're standing, maybe you want to come to the altar and pray or or pray with a minister, but I want to encourage you tonight. Quit playing games. Quit being silly and make a choice to let Jesus shine in your life. Let him be first. Let's stand. You come now as we sing.